Holy Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for giving us the opportunity to fellowship with you today. We call upon you now, Lord, because we need your help. We are nearing closer and closer to the end of time, and we want that we would receive strength, grace, edification in preparation for the great controversy coming ahead of us. We find ourselves at this moment not prepared. We pray, Father, that the words which we will hear in this devotion shall make us come closer to making that preparation that is necessary for your coming. We ask, Lord, please grant to every one of us the gift of your Spirit. Grant us understanding. Help us to rightly divide the word of truth. May your words flow forth from my mouth, that it may be a blessing to all who would listen. Thank you, Lord, for hearing and answering my prayers. In Jesus' name I have prayed. Conflict and Courage, July 28. Elijah's needed today. Yet I have left me seven thousand in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 18. Elijah had thought that he alone in Israel was a worshipper of the true God. But he who reads the heart of all revealed to the prophet that there were many others who through the long years of apostasy had remained true to him. From Elijah's experience during those days of discouragement and apparent defeat, there are many lessons to be drawn, lessons invaluable to the servants of God in this age, marked as it is by general departure from right. The apostasy prevailing today is similar to that which in the prophet's day overspread Israel. In the exaltation of the human above the divine, in the praise of popular leaders, in the worship of mammon, and in the placing of the teachings of science above the truths of revelation, multitudes are following after Baal. Doubt and unbelief are exercising their baleful influence over mind and heart, and many are substituting for the oracles of God the theories of men. It is publicly taught that we have reached a time when human reason should be exalted above the teachings of the Word. The law of God, the divine standard of righteousness, is declared to be of no effect the enemy of all truth is working with deceptive power to cause men and women to place human institutions where God should be and to forget that which was ordained for the happiness and salvation of mankind. Yet this apostasy, widespread as it has come to be, is not universal. Not all in the world are lawless and sinful. Not all have taken sides with the enemy. God has many who are hoping against hope that Jesus will come soon 
to end the reign of sin and death. These need the personal help of those who have learned to know God and the power of His Word. As those who have an understanding of Bible truth try to seek out the men and women who are longing for light, angels of God will attend them. Many will cease to pay homage to man-made institutions and will take their stand fearlessly on the side of God and His law. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is Elijah's Needed Today. Elijah came to Mount Carmel having forsaken his work, and the Lord asked him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And the Lord said to him that he should come and meet him at a certain place. And after that, the Lord told him something that Elijah did not know. 1 Kings chapter 19 Reading from verse 18, the Lord said to Elijah, Yet I have left me seven thousand in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which has not kissed him. Just like we read in our devotion, there are those today who has not bowed their knees to Baal. But what does Baal represent? That's the first question we need to ask. What was the difference between Elijah and Ahab? that we need to know who are the Elijahs of today. Remember in the book of 1 Kings chapter 3 verse chapter 18 verse 4, it says that Jezebel had killed some of um, God's prophets but that there were some hidden by Obadiah. You see, these men who were hidden by Obadiah and there were other 7,000 that the Lord talked about, maybe they were part, those ones hidden by Obadiah were maybe part of that 7,000. There was a difference between them and Ahab. What is that difference between them and Israel? First Kings 18 verse 17 and 18 says, And it came to pass, when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Baalim. So, what does it mean to follow Baal? To follow Baal, simply put, means to forsake the commandments of the Lord. And what does it mean to be an Elijah today? It means to be those people who have the present truth. Yesterday, we saw how it was that God will always have people who will give the present truth. In our devotion, two days ago, we saw that. It says in Great Controversy, page 143 paragraph 3 it says opposition is the lot of all whom god employs to present truths specially applicable to their time there was a present truth in the days of luther a truth at that time of special importance there is a present truth for the church today end of quote so we have a present truth for us today. That present truth is known as the third angel's message. In Revelation chapter 14, reading from verse 9 to 12, we read about the third angel's message, which concludes in verse 12 by saying, Here are they that keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. These are the Elijahs of today. But they will have their own opposition to face. Jezebel 
and Ahab and the people of Israel following after Baal represented the opposition for Elijah and the Elijahs of today have their own opposition to face in a similar fashion. While they stand apparently alone, they have to meet a world that is worshipping other gods and have forsaken the commandments of God. Like we read in the devotion, it says, The apostasy prevailing today is similar to that which in the prophet's day overspread Israel. In the exaltation of the human above the divine, in the praise of popular leaders and the worship of mammon, and in the placing of the teachings of science above the truths of revelation, multitudes today are following Baal. The enemy of all truth is working with deceptive power to cause men and women to place human institutions where God should be and to forget that which was ordained to for their happiness and salvation of mankind. What is that? The law of God. It says many will cease to pay homage to man-made institutions and will take their stand fearlessly on the side of God and his law. So who are the Elijahs of today? It is those who would forsake human institutions and place their allegiance on the side of God and his law. The great controversy has always been between God's law and the devil. It is the law of God, the commandments of God, that Elijah said that Ahab had forsaken. That was the bone of contention in that day, and it is still the bone of contention today. But in context, who is Baal? Search where you will. Do your due diligence and you'll find it out. Baal is the sun god of Phoenicia. Conflict and Courage, page 210, paragraph 2 says, The God of many professedly wise men of philosophers, poets, politicians, journalists is little better than Baal, the sun god of Phoenicia. End of quote. Like I said, do your due diligence and you will find that Baal is none other than the sun god which was worshipped as early as 2000 BC in the days of Abraham. It was Baal worship that God called Abraham out of. Reading from uh, GodQuestions.org, I have just read now from Prophet um, from Confidence and Courage telling us Baal is the sun god, but I'll just read from a contemporary source, GodQuestions.org, from the article, Who Was Baal? It says, According to Canaanite mythology, Baal was the son of El, the chief god of Asherah, the goddess of the sea. Baal was considered the most powerful of all gods, eclipsing El, who was seen as rather weak and ineffective. In various battles, Baal defeated Yam, the god of the sea, and Mot, the god of death and the underworld. Baal's sister or consorts were Ashtoreth, a fertility goddess, associated with the stars, and Anath, a goddess of love and war. Now listen, it says, The Canaanites worshipped Baal as the sun god and as the storm god. He is usually depicted holding a lightning bolt who defeated enemies and produced crops. They also worshipped him as a fertility god who provided children. Baal worship was rooted in sensuality and involved ritualistic prostitution in the temples. At times, appeasing Baal required human sacrifice, usually the firstborn of the one making the sacrifice. See Jeremiah 19 verse 5. The priests of Baal appeared to their god in rites of wild abandon, which included loud ecstatic cries and self-inflicted injuries. First Kings 18 verse 28. End of quote. So, from two sources now, from the spirit of prophecy, Baal is the sun god. From a contemporary source, GodQuestions.org, Baal is the sun god. We need the Elijahs today that will rise up, upholding the commandments of God above the sun god. 
You see, another name for Baal, like we saw before, is Raiden. This is the god loved and adored by many who play that game Mortal Kombat. Even in the game, you see him depicted as the one who sends rain and lightning and storm. Israel had been giving glory to this god as the one who is the sun and controls the weather and sends the storm and the rain. They pray to him for the harvest and the rain. They also recognized him for fertility and hence sacrificed their firstborn children to this demon god. But all of it was the mere imagination of their heart. It is also for this reason that God withheld the rain for three and a half years to make them see the fertility of their belief in Baal. For these three years, they prayed to Baal for rain, thunder and storm, but the heavens was like brass and iron. Also, he could not send fire to consume their sacrifice. But on the prayer of Elijah, God sent fire and also rain and gave them the harvest. The showdown on Mount Carmel proved who was the true God. Another thing that was done in honor to Baal, as we just heard now, is the sun god. This thing was a provocation to God. It was the setting aside of a day to honor God. What day is that? The first day of the week called Sunday. The Elijahs of today will be those who, unlike Ahab, will uphold the commandments of God, both in word and in practice. They will not bow their knees to Baal. How do people bow their knees to Baal? We just read it. Sexual reverie, pornography. What else? The god Mammon, chasing after money, sacrificing their children to Baal. That is, making your children to do things even though you know that it's going against the commandments of God, yet you are chasing after money. You are following Baal. But what I want to focus on today is the one that applies to ourselves these last days. The Elijahs of today will be keeping the commandments of God, especially in these last days, they will be keeping the Sabbath commandment as opposed to following Baal, the sun god, and keeping Sunday. I know this may startle some of you as you hear this, that Sunday as a day of worship was not instituted by God. But be patient and listen to the unfolding of the word of God and know the truth of God's word and understand what Baal worship is. You see, this sun worship of Baal has sadly continued today through Sunday observance, even by Christians. Many Christians unknown to themselves have been deceived into Baal worship. Keeping holy the first day of the week is a practice associated with Baal, the sun god. But the Elijahs of today will not bow their knees to Baal. We have already seen that the law of God was not abolished by him. There are some who agree to this, yet they feel that one of the laws was abolished and that is the Sabbath commandment. But this is not true. Let us examine the word of God to know the truth about this matter. So I'll take us step by step and I want you to get your Bibles and check for yourself whether these things are so. You see, the Sabbath is not a Jewish institution as many claim. It is part of the creation story and is for every man. In the book of Genesis 2 verse 1 to 3 it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. What do we learn from here? The Sabbath is not a Jewish institution. 
from the inception of creation the seventh day sabbath was already instituted when there was no jew the only human alive was adam and eve and that was when the sabbath was instituted and what day is the sabbath like i said the seventh day which we call saturday there are some who don't know this but you can check for yourself and you'll see first day of the week Sunday we just passed Easter not long ago and the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 28 verse 1 that very early on the morning as the Sabbath was over and the first day of the week began that was when Jesus resurrected not long ago a few months ago the Easter was just celebrated where Christians believe that Jesus resurrected and what day was that they usually call it Sunday so the first day of the week is what the Bible calls it in Matthew 28 verse 1. The Bible calls it the first day of the week and today it is known as Easter Sunday. So which day is the first day of the week? Sunday. If Sunday is the first day of the week which is the seventh, the seventh day Sabbath is Saturday. Having said that, let us then continue to understand. Was the law of the Sabbath abolished or is it still binding on us today? And even if it is not binding, who will, why would the Lord give us Sunday worship when it was something that was already used to worship Baal many years before and even till today the sun god that is why the day is called sun day it is a day dedicated to the sun god you can call it Baal you can call him Tammuz whatever you want to call that god it is the sun god that alone should be enough for us to understand that this Sunday worship is not instituted by God but I'll continue with the Word of God now we have seen that in the beginning the Sabbath was instituted but what more let us go to the end when Christ will come will we still be observing the Sabbath Isaiah 66 reading from verse 22 and 23 says for as the new heavens and the new earth which I will make shall remain before me saith the Lord so shall your seed and your name remain and it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one sabbath to another shall all flesh come to worship before me saith the lord so here god is telling us that even after the new heavens and the new earth are created which represents after the second coming of jesus there will still be sabbath of sabbath observance by the saints of god by god himself and his holy angels so now if the Sabbath was abolished as many claim, how then will it be that the Bible says it will be kept through eternity? It has not been abolished. Another evidence is in the book of Luke 4 verse 16. You know, Jesus is our, exam- is our example and some say he broke the Sabbath, but he, he didn't. It was his custom to keep the Sabbath. It was not Jewish tradition, but Jesus' custom. Luke 4 16 says, And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. Many things the Jews did, which Jesus called vain worship. He condemned Jewish tradition in Mark 7 and did not follow it himself. So here, in keeping the Sabbath, he was not merely following Jewish tradition, but was exhibiting his own personal belief and his principle in keeping the Sabbath. Even after his death, the apostles and disciples continued to keep the Sabbath. Look at it. Acts chapter 17 verse 2 says, And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the scriptures. So here it is that Jesus has died. Many years after he has died, 
Paul, the apostle, is keeping the Sabbath. There are some who would want us to believe that it was only Jewish Christians that were keeping the Sabbath or that the reason Paul went to keep the Sabbath was because he wanted to reach out to the Jews. But this is not the case at all. The Bible says it was Paul's custom, not Jewish custom, Paul's custom to keep the Sabbath. Further scriptural evidence will make this matter very, very clear. In the book of Acts 16, where there was no Jew, let us see how Paul behaved. Verse 12 to 13 says, And from thence they went to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony. And we were in that city abiding certain days. Now verse 13. And on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. So now, from this passage, to those who say that in Acts 17 verse 2 that Paul only went to reason with the Jews on the Sabbath, here we have an evidence. There was no synagogue or Jew to minister to here in Acts 16 when Paul went to to Philippi, um, which is the, the chief city of Macedonia. When he went there, there was no Jewish synagogue for him to go to. Well, surely now would be the best time for Paul to neglect the Sabbath and relax on the seventh day of the week or go to work and show us its irrelevance. But what do we see? Even when there was no church, Paul looked for a place to have a holy convocation and keep the Sabbath according to the commandments of God and they went to a riverside to have their Sabbath observance. There are others who would say, oh, it's just for the Jews. But let us look again, Acts chapter 13, reading from verse 42 to 44. Here it is that Paul and Barnabas went to Antioch. And when they went there, they entered the synagogue of the Jews and preached to them concerning Jesus. In verse 42, it says, And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles now besought that these words might be preached to them. When? When do you think they wanted to be preached? They would say Sunday, isn't it? But when do you think the Gentiles requested? It says, The next Sabbath. Verse 43 now says, Now when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. And the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. Amen. From what I just read now, it says, The Gentiles came to keep the Sabbath. It was not the Jews now, but the Gentiles who came the next Sabbath. Why not Sunday? Because a converted Gentile will keep the Sabbath. That is why. The Sabbath has always been the seventh day, was never abolished, and the disciples of God continued to keep it after the resurrection of Jesus. Because some people say after Jesus resurrected, it was changed to the first day of the week. But there is no evidence in the Bible for such a claim. Even after the days of the apostles, the historical documents show us that the Sabbath was still kept. Great Controversy, page 577 and to 578 says, A striking illustration of Rome's policy toward those who agree with her was given in the long and bloody persecution of the Waldenses, some of whom were observers of the Sabbath. The churches of Africa held the Sabbath as it was held by the papal church before her complete apostasy." End of quote. So there is no evidence of Jesus changing the Sabbath 
from the seventh day to the first day. Jesus himself said in Matthew 5 verse 17, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I have not come to destroy but to fulfill. And he said, Till heaven and earth pass away, not one jot or tittle shall in any wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. And that includes the Sabbath. And also in the book of James, chapter 2, reading from verse 10 to 12, the judgment of God is by his commandments. And he said that if we keep all the law and stumble in one of it, then we are guilty of all. So if we stumble on the Sabbath, we are guilty of all. But what is the significance of the Sabbath and how is it connected to us in these last days? In the book of Revelation 7 verse 1 to 3, God said he's going to do a work of sealing his people on this earth. It says, And after these things I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of God in their foreheads. These, so now, these are those who are the Elijahs that are needed today, those who have the seal of God. They are the ones who will not bow their knees to bow. God singles them out for this reason. They stand in opposition to Baal worship, to sun worship, to the sun God today and they are sealed with the seal of God. What do you think is this seal? To show us the difference between the sun God and the God of heaven. We will see now the seal of God. You know a seal is the same thing as a sign. Romans 4 verse 11 says, And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of righteousness. So you see the way sign and seal are used interchangeably. Romans 4 verse 11, I repeat, shows us how sign and seal are used interchangeably. So the word sign means seal. What is the seal of God that he is using to seal his Elijahs that are needed today? Isaiah 8 verse 16, bind up the testimony, seal the law among my disciples. Once again, the Bible's consistency is just so beautiful to behold. We see that Elijah himself said what that seal was when he was speaking with Ahab in the book of 1 Kings 18 verse 18. He said to Ahab, this is the difference between me and you. What separates us is that you have forsaken the commandments of God. 1 Kings 18 verse 18. He told Ahab, you forsake, you have forsaken the commandments of God and have followed after Baalim. In other words, Elijah is saying, I have the seal of God. I am on his side. Reason is because I have not forsaken God's commandments. So what is the seal of God? It is his law, his commandments. The time when Isaiah wrote this, was the Sabbath not included? It was including the Sabbath. In fact, God himself tells us that the Sabbath is integral to the law in general being his seal. Take away the Sabbath and then it is no longer the seal. It is this same law which Elijah stood for unflinchingly when all Israel worshipped Baal, the sun god of Phoenicia. But which law among the ten does God specially single out as the one that is his seal? Listen to the law. Don't listen to me. Ezekiel 20 verse 12 says, listen to what God has to say. Moreover, also I gave them my Sabbaths to be a sign, that is a seal, between me and them, that they might know that I am the Lord that 
sanctify them. Again, in verse 20, he said, And hallow my Sabbaths, and they shall be a sign between me and you, that you may know that I am the Lord your God. Amen. There is no commandment among the ten that tells us who our God is. Look at the last six commandments that says, Honor your father and your mother. Do not kill. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. And do not covet. Do you know that when you follow these six commandments, you have not yet been identified with any God? Because when you look at the religions and constitutions of the world, all of them have one or all of these laws written down as things that human beings should follow. So I can just be a law-abiding citizen of my country when I refuse to steal, kill, commit adultery, covet. I mean, when you listen to people who are Zen worshippers, for example, or Hindus or Buddhists, you find out that they teach against materialism, which is what the Tenth Commandment talks about. Stay away from materialism. If there are people who I have heard a lot speak against materialism and promote minimalism, they are minimalists. Many of them are Buddhists and Hindus, Buddhist monks. You see them, they live minimally. Even in India, look at them. They speak against covetousness. So, by you following the Tenth Commandment, it hasn't shown who your God is yet or the other our commandments that talks about our relationship with men that I just listed. But when we go to the first four commandments, even those ones, it is only one of them that shows us who our God is. The first commandment just simply tells us that we are to have only one God. But who is that God? I mean, when you go to many religions, they claim that they have one God and that God which they are worshipping is the main God. Then the second commandment says we shouldn't make idols. If there's one religion I know that follows that commandment to the detail even more than many Christians, it is Islam. They do not make any picture or image of their God. And that, you may say, that means is it God they are worshipping? We don't know yet because even Christianity... Uh, they are told not to make images of their God. So we have that in common. When you go to the third commandment, do not use the name of the Lord in vain. That is also found in Islam and in almost every other religion. If there is one God's name that is used in vain the most, we all know it is Jesus, which is a spite on him. But we don't see them using other names, the names of other gods in vain and they don't supposed to do that. But now, there is only one commandment that separates the Creator the one which is the God of the Bible from every other God. Reason with me and think about it. There is no way you follow the fourth commandment that anyone can be mistaken as to who the God you are worshipping is. God created the heavens and the earth in six days and rested the seventh day. And in the fourth commandment he says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shall thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. Now, this is the reason why in Ezekiel 20 verse 20, God said, Hallow my Sabbaths. They shall be a sign between me and you, that you may know that I am the Lord your God. You can keep the other nine commandments and you can be worshipping any other God on this earth. But reason with me and I just pray the Holy Spirit impresses this in your heart to make you understand clearly that it is only the fourth commandment that when you keep it, no other God can be your God. And God himself said it here in Ezekiel 20 verse 20. This is the way that we know, the whole world we know that you are an Elijah. That it is not Baal you are worshipping. Are you worshipping on Sunday? Are you keeping Sunday holy? You have not identified yourself with a God that created in six days and rested the seventh day. 
because Sunday worship is not a Christian thing. It is something done to honor the Son God. In many other religions, it is still done. So you are bowing your knees to bow when you are keeping Sunday holy. But no one will mistake you like the Lord himself said. This is the way we know that I am the Lord your God. Keep the Sabbath holy. You see, the Sabbath is the sign or seal of God and the Elijahs of today will keep this commandment whether Jew or Gentile, stranger or Enoch. One thing that the 7,000 prophets and Elijah had in common is that they held on to God's law. They did not bow their knees to Baal in departing from the commandments of God and relatively stood alone. They did this in the face of the world's opposition as it were. This is why in Revelation 7 verse 1 to 3, God says that he is sealing his people. These people are going to be apparently standing alone on this earth. Though it will look as if they are alone like Elijah, but there are many of them on this earth. Though in comparison to the world, they are very few. But then God will have his people who will come out from serving Baal to serving Jehovah, the God of heaven, and keep his commandments. In Bible Commentary, Volume 7, page 978, paragraph 2, we are told why God separates these people and seals them. It says, why were they so specially singled out? Because they had to stand with a wonderful truth right before the whole world and receive their opposition. And while receiving this opposition, they were to remember that they were the sons and daughters of God, that they must have Christ formed within them the hope of glory. End of quote. Does that remind you of Elijah standing with a wonderful truth right before Israel and receiving Israel's opposition? That is exactly this description of those who will have the seal of God. Maybe I should take the reading again so you see the, the relationship. Elijah stood with a wonderful truth which was the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus and he told it to Ahab to his face. You forsook the commandments of God. I am standing with this wonderful truth which is the commandments of God and he stood alone against the whole world, Israel as it were. Again, I read it, concerning those who will be sealed today, the Elijahs of today. Why were they so specially singled out? Because they had to stand with a wonderful truth right before the whole world and receive their opposition. And while receiving this opposition, they were to remember that they were sons and daughters of God, that they must have Christ formed within the hope of glory. End of quote. But what is it that brought about the things we see today in the Christian world? The reason is because the Sabbath was changed. We will look at that in another devotion. It was, it was not, the reason is because at a time, someone tried to attempt to change the Sabbath, but couldn't of course, because you can't change the law of God. The Sunday worship was instituted through the apostasy of the Roman church that instituted this paganism and they admit themselves they admitted themselves that it is a roman catholic church that brought in sunday worship for now i'll read just one quote sourced from the roman catholic documents to substantiate what i have just said i'm reading from saint catherine church sentinel algonac michigan may 21 1995 here it states and i quote perhaps the boldest thing the most revolutionary change the church that the Roman Catholic Church ever did happened in the first century. The holy day, the Sabbath, was changed from Saturday to Sunday. The day of the Lord was chosen not from any direction noted in the scriptures, but from the 
Catholic Church's sense of its own power. People who think that the scriptures should be the sole authority should logically become Seventh-day Adventists and keep Saturday holy. End of quote. That is not my own words now. This is sourced from the Roman Catholic documents and there are many others in subsequent devotion. Specifically, when we look at the devotion in Esther, we will see more on that. Just suffice to say, like I've just tried to explain briefly, the change which many Christians observe today following Sunday, unknown to them, ignorantly, many of them don't know, is because there was something done in the past and there were many faithful Christians like the Wildenses that were killed in a very cruel manner because they refused to keep Sunday. Paganism entered into into Christianity and that was the result. Today we are nearing the end and the commandments of God, like in the days of Elijah, will be the bone of contention. Reading Conflict and Courage, page 210, paragraph 4 and 5 says, Thousands who pride themselves upon their wisdom and independence regard it as an evidence of weakness to place implicit confidence in the Bible. They think it a proof of superior talent and learning to cavil at the scriptures and to spiritualize and explain away the most important truths. Many ministers are teaching the people and many professors and teachers are instructing their students that the law of God has been changed or abrogated. You see, these are the, Elijah, are the Ahabs. And those who regard its requirements are still valid to be literally obeyed are thought to be deserving of only ridicule or contempt the last great conflict between truth and error is but the final struggle of the long-standing controversy concerning the law of god upon this battle we are now entering end of quote in light of this elijah's today will follow the commandments of god even if they stand alone a time is coming soon when the matter of the sabbath will be urged Moves are already being made to this effect. Just like Elijah was denounced as a troubler of Israel, so also the world will look at the commandment keepers as the cause of the world's woes. The world today, on account of its departure from the principles of God's law, do not know peace. You remember we've been seeing that. That in the days of um, Jeroboam, Rehoboam, Ahab, Zimri, Omri, Nadab, all these kings, because they departed from the commandments of God, they did not know peace. Today, the world does not know peace for the same reason, but they will want to blame Elijah as the troubler of Israel. That's how they will want to blame the commandment keepers as the ones that are troubling the world. Reading from Great Controversy, page 592-591, it says, Those who honor the Bible Sabbath will be denounced as enemies of law and order, as breaking down the moral restraints of society, causing anarchy and corruption and calling down the judgments of God upon the earth. Their conscientious scruples will be pronounced obstinacy, stubbornness and contempt of authority. Does that remind you of Elijah? That's exactly how they looked at Elijah. They will be accused of disaffection towards the government. Ministers who deny the obligation of the divine law will present from the pulpit the duty of yielding obedience to the civil authorities as ordained of God. In legislative halls and courts of justice, commandment keepers like Elijah will be misrepresented and condemned like Jezebel tried to do to him. A false coloring will be given to their words. The worst construction will be put upon their motives. End of quote. You see, Elijah, amid the general apostasy, did not seek to hide the fact that he served the God of heaven. 
Baal's prophets numbered 450, his priests 400, and his worshippers were thousands. Yet, Elijah did not try to make it appear that he was on the popular side. He grandly stood alone. With clear trumpet-like tones, Elijah addressed the vast multitude. How long, how long halt you between two opinions? Where are the Elijahs of today? End of quote. That's from Conflict and Courage, page 209, paragraph 2. Elijah said unto the people, and How long halt you between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. That is, in keeping his commandments, especially keeping the Sabbath. But if Baal, then follow him. And Sunday worship is part of what it means to follow Baal. And the people answered him not a word. I pray that you will not keep quiet, but you would answer a word in following the Lord. Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I only, remain a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. What could have been the fears of Israel? Why did they leave Elijah to stand alone? It is the same thing that makes people afraid of keeping God's law today, especially the Sabbath. Some may have been afraid for their lives. Others could have been guarding their paycheck. But none of these things are to make us become cowards. As God took care of Elijah, he knows how to take care of those who put their life on the line for the truth's sake. There are many who know about this Sabbath truth but they are afraid to keep it. When they hear about it, they run away because they look at the consequences. They feel that to put them at odds. It will put them in a condition where life will be difficult. But I want to encourage you as you are hearing this. Many know the Sabbath and they claim to be Sabbath keepers, but they are not. They go to work on Sabbath. They are not Elijah. They are bowing their knees to, knees to bow. They are following after Mammon. They are full, put, placing science above the word of God. All these are ways of following after Baal. But the Lord is calling us to make us understand that if we follow him, he knows how to take care of us. Reading from Ministry of Healing to encourage us, page 479, paragraph 3 and downward. I just want us to take these words of encouragement. It says, When Christ called his disciples to follow him, he offered them no flattering prospects in this life. He gave them no promise of gain or worldly honor, nor did they make any stipulation as to what they should receive. To Matthew, as he sat at the receipt of custom, the Savior said, Follow me. And he left all, rose up and followed him. Luke chapter 5, verse 27 and 28. Matthew did not before rendering service wait to demand a certain salary equal to the amount received in his former occupation. Without question or hesitation, he followed Jesus. It was enough for him that he was to be with the Savior, that he might hear his words and unite with him in his work. So it was with the disciples previously called. When Jesus bade Peter and his companions follow him, immediately they left their boats and nets. Some of these disciples had friends, depended on them for support. But, they, but when they received the Savior's invitation, they did not hesitate and inquire, How shall I live and sustain my family? They were obedient to the call. And when afterward, Jesus asked them, When I sent you without purse and scrip and shoes, lacked you anything? They could answer, Nothing. Luke chapter 22 verse 35 Today, the Savior calls us, as he called Matthew and John and Peter to his work. 
if our hearts are touched by his love. The question of compensation will not be uppermost in our minds. We shall rejoice to be co-workers with Christ and we shall not fear to trust his care. If we make God our strength, we shall have clear perceptions of duty, unselfish aspirations. Our life will be actuated by a noble purpose which will raise us above sordid motives. End of quote. Brothers and sisters, what I'm reading this thing for is to encourage you. Perhaps you are part of those who even attend a church on Sabbath, but sometimes you work on Sabbath. You are bowing your knees to bow. And there are some who don't even keep the Sabbath at all. But you have heard about it now, or you've heard about it before. But because you were afraid that if you keep it, you don't know what your life is going to be like. You have children. You have a wife dependent on you. You have family and relatives. And you are thinking, I will lose my job. My wages will go down. How will I take care of myself? trust in the Lord. The the disciples are an example for us. Matthew was already working, earning a huge salary. When the Lord called him, Matthew did not say, how much are you going to pay me if I start following you? The disciples like Peter, James, John, Andrew, they had a business they were doing. They were catching fishes and their business was booming. But when the Lord called them, they forsook all and followed him. They did not ask Jesus, are you going to pay me an equal amount? to that which I was receiving before. Why? Because they understood that following the word of God was a pearl of great price. It was of more value than their business, than their work. And they also trusted Jesus that he would take care of them. Trust in the Lord. Obey his commandments and stop thinking of the consequences. Take that leap of faith and the Lord will bless you. I'm reading conclusively now from the same book, Ministry of Healing, page 480. It says, Many who profess to be Christ's followers have an anxious, troubled heart because they are afraid to trust themselves with God. They do not make a complete surrender. Do you know what that means? They keep some of the commandments of God. They don't tell lies. They don't steal. They don't kill. They don't commit adultery. They are faithful to their spouse. But they've not yet made a complete surrender. Why? For they shrink from the consequences that such a surrender may involve. But unless they do make this surrender, they cannot find peace. There are many whose hearts are aching under a load of care because they seek to reach the world's standard. Would you make a complete surrender? Keep all the commandments of God, not some of it. He says, they have chosen the world's service and accepted its perplexities adopted its customs thus their character is marred and their life made a weariness the continual worry is wearing out the life forces our lord desires them to lay aside this yoke of bondage he invites them to accept his yoke he says my yoke is easy and my burden is light worry is blind and cannot discern the future but jesus sees the end from the beginning in every difficulty He has his way prepared to bring relief. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Do you believe that? Matthew 11 verse 30, Psalm 84 verse 11. Do you believe that no good thing will he withhold from you when you walk uprightly? Our Heavenly Father has a thousand ways to provide for us of which we know nothing. Those who accept the one principle of making the service of God supreme will find perplexities vanish and a plain path before their feet, end of quote. 
my brother and my sister, this promise is for you. Make the service of God supreme in your life. Like Elijah, follow all the commandments of God, not some of them. Not following the so-called science that is contrary to his word. Not following the reverie. You know when we talked about Baal, it's talked about sensuality that was involved in worshipping of Baal. The god of mammon following after money and de- despising God's commandments and also sun worship referring to Sunday observance. The Lord is calling us to make a complete surrender to him so that we can be the Elijahs of today that will have ourselves singled out. Though we will receive the opposition of the whole world, yet we will stand with this wonderful truth of the third angel's message and give it to the world and be sealed with the seal of the living God. I believe by the grace of God that there are some Elijahs that are listening who will be encouraged by this word and continue to be Elijahs and some will be made Elijahs through this message by the grace of God that you will forsake the worship of Baal and start to worship the true God of heaven in keeping all his commandments including the Sabbath. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, I commit your children unto your care who are listening to this word. May your children who have already been the Elijahs continue to be strengthened and not be discouraged, but continue to stand in opposition to the world with this wonderful truth. And the others who have been vacillating like Israel between two opinions, they are halting. They know the truth, but they are vacillating. Lord, please help them to take that leap of faith and make a complete surrender to you that I pray you will also show them your mighty work in their life as you were always providing for Elijah through the ravens, through the woman of Zarepta and even the angel that came to give him food and said he should eat for his journey is long. I pray that you will also provide for such a people but inspire in them the faith to take that step forward. And there are some who have never even heard this truth. They are hearing it for the first time. I pray Lord that you will also inspire them with that zeal to be the Elijah of today to stand alone against the opposition of the world in following your commandments till the day you will come that we all may be sealed and be in your kingdom at last. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.